Well, I listen to uh, a good bit of sports radio most every time I'm in the car. That's, that's usually what it is tuned to. And, uh, you know, with sports radio comes a lot of uh, male-oriented commercials. You know what I'm talking about? And, and usually there's this one that's very concerned about my testosterone levels. And, uh, you know, they'll start telling you that uh, I guess by the late 20s you start losing 1% to 2% of your testosterone a year. And I think by your mid-40s, you're officially a woman or something like that. I, I don't know quite how it works, but uh, I think, folks, somewhere in the last six months, I must have had my big drop-off. Uh, because what, what I previously tried to block from cable channel, I, I'm now watching. I'm, I'm watching Home and Garden TV. I feel like it's a confessional. I mean, I'm watching these couples go and, you know, they've got to visit three homes and then they buy one by the end and I'm all anxious about which one they're going to buy. And if they buy the wrong one, all of a sudden I'm crying. And, it, it, you know, I don't know what to do. And, and then, of course, there's the guy. You've seen the guy that flips houses? You know, he buys some horrible house with horrible codes to be worked through and an awful contractor. But by the end of the 30 minutes, he's worked through all of that, flipped the house for a huge profit. I mean, I'm watching this stuff when Karen's not even at home. I mean, the boys come in the room. I got to change the channel real quick. It's just, it's just awful what's happening. I don't, I don't know. But I know this. Whether you know much about housing or whether you watch HGTV or not, you know that you don't ever want to see this sticker on your house. You don't want to ever have this. There's going to be a sticker, right? Boom, there it is. Man, you don't want that sticker on your house, do you? I mean, when you see that, you can bulldoze it. You are done. We've been studying now 22 messages now up to Romans through Romans chapter 7. And what we learned in Romans 1 through 3, folks, is that your life is worthy of condemnation. Your life is going to be bulldozed under the wrath of God. Your life has literally been built in hostility to Him. Folks, I believe every person on the planet knows that that sticker's on their forehead. I believe every person in their heart of hearts and in those quiet moments, sometimes it's just those moments before they fall asleep, they know their life is condemned. Some ignore it. Some try to justify it. Some take on a renovation project. They go to Home Depot. They go to Lowe's. We call them churches. We call them religions. And they go to these places where they're going to renovate this house. They're going to fix it up. They're going to make this home what it should be. But they don't realize is what the goal is. The goal is not that this home be something I can live in. The goal is that this home be something God can live in. And we can't do it. I mean, we literally, folks, do not want to be caught dead in this house. We can't do that. But some, are you one? Some come to that recognition. Some come to that understanding. They realize they, they, they tried to keep the codes. They went to the different home improvements, but they realized, I can't, I can't do it. And they came to a place in their life where they turned over the keys to a new owner. Did you hear that? A new owner, not a better contractor. They didn't go to a better, a better home improvement store. They turned over the keys to a new owner. Romans chapters 4 through 6 kind of talk to us about that new owner and the faith that comes when we turn those keys over and what can happen in our lives then when this can become a house that God would literally live in. 
So now with a a new owner and a new house, Romans chapter 7 quickly took us to a place where a lot of us are going to go. We turn over the keys, we've got a new owner, and then we rush back in. Okay, I've got this. We're going to renovate this. I'm going to fix this up. I'm going to make it what it should be. And, And it just leads to more mess. It just leads to more frustration. And so Paul comes to the end of chapter 7 and he says, Oh, thank God, thank God there's a new owner in Jesus Christ. And the same faith that led me to hand him those keys is the same faith that I need to let him begin to renovate. And then we come into that all leads us up to what I believe, this is an opinion, what I believe is the greatest chapter in all the Bible. Romans chapter 8. And that's where we begin our study today. As a matter of fact, if you'll look there in your bulletin on the left-hand side, you can see that we're going to begin today, I'm calling it a series in a series. We're, we're going to study, we're continuing our study of Romans, but we're, we're going to spend five messages, five weeks. Uh, there's a little week break in there. You'll notice that's Easter week. I will, I'll, I'll do an Easter message on that day. But we're doing a series out of Romans 8 called Your Life. In Romans chapter 8, and what we're going to see today is that your life in Christ is not condemned, and what that means for this house. So let's look at that this morning. Romans chapter 8, we're going to look at verses 1 to 11. If you don't have a Bible with you, we've got some in the chairs in front of you. I hope you'll grab one and read along or have somebody hand it to you. You'll find Romans right after the Gospels and Acts before Corinthians. Romans chapter 8, look at verse 1. It says, therefore, no condemnation now exists for those in Christ Jesus. Because the Spirit's law of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. What the law could not do, since it was limited by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending His own Son in flesh like ours under sin's domain and as a sin offering. In order that the law's requirement would be accomplished in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those whose lives are according to the flesh think about the things of the flesh. But those whose lives are according to the the Spirit about the things of the Spirit. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. For the mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law, for it is unable to do so. Those whose lives are in the flesh are unable to please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God lives in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, Spirit of God, Spirit of Christ are the same person, the Holy Spirit... But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his Spirit who lives in you. Now, those probably weren't the easiest verses to read. There's some, some tough phrases there, some, some not easy reading phrases there, but there's actually some pretty simple points that these 11 verses are communicating. And how about that first one? Folks, in Christ, that sticker comes off. In Christ, there is no more 
condemnation. Now that statement follows. You see the first word in verse 8 or uh, chapter 8 verse 1 is therefore. Therefore means this is a conclusion. This is a product. It comes from the prior thought. Well, the prior thought was chapter 7. The the prior thought is where we realize not only do by faith we turn the keys over to Jesus, but by faith we let him do the renovation. In other words, folks, like we said a couple of weeks ago, by faith we are saved, but don't leave that faith. Don't walk away from that faith. It's also by faith that we are sanctified. By faith we are brought to the holy And by faith, we can be made holy. And by that word faith, folks, we mean what it sounds like. Our trust. As I move forward into this day, wanting to be more, wanting to do more for God, my trust is not in self. My trust is in God's work. My trust is in God's grace. My my dependence, I'm depending upon Him. Whatever I want to be, whatever I want to do, I am looking to Him. I am depending upon His work and His grace to make that happen. And so, folks, when we now move forward, I mean, you ever been there? Man, I want, I want to do more for God. I want to be more for God. I want to grow in God. Have you been there? I hope so. Man, when we step out there to do that, we no longer step out in the fear of rejection. We don't step out. We're not driven by guilt We're not clawing and scratching and hoping that it's enough and hoping that it'll please God and and hoping that we will grow. We no longer have that fear. Do you realize, I wonder if we do, I wonder if we each realize just how much of our lives is driven by the fear of rejection. I would dare say that every person in this room made a decision in the last seven days that was driven by one thing. You wanted somebody's approval or you were afraid of losing somebody's approval. I mean, we claw for that. We fight for that. We're always working at different levels. We're, we're on a different spectrum in this, but we're all doing it to some degree. So do you realize then how beautiful it is that Jesus comes along, grabs our hands, says we're going to begin this relationship, and I want you to know something. As we travel down this road, it will not end in your condemnation. It will not end in rejection. And so now we're freed up. Man, I'm freed up from fighting. I'm, I'm cr- freed up from clawing and hoping and trying to be good enough. I know it's there. I've been accepted and now I'm freed up to genuinely love God. Do you realize why religion doesn't work? You can do all of these things that it looks like for God and you're not doing it for God. You're doing it for self. You're doing it to try to get yourself into the afterlife or heaven or whatever they want to call it. You're doing it so you get reward. But when Jesus says up front, hey, you're accepted. There's no question here. Now I'm freed up and my whole motive can be the love of God. My whole motive can be the glory of God. I don't have to fight for myself. I don't have to work for myself. Christ has already done that. You see, the reason Jesus can say, you will not be condemned, is because he's already been condemned for us. Do you realize that Jesus Christ was bulldozed so you wouldn't have to be? And it's in that act that he then says, this will not end in your condemnation. So now remember where we are. We're at the end of chapter 7. We're moving forward. Okay, I've got a new life. i got a new owner in Jesus Christ. And I'm trusting in Him for the renovation. So how do I do this? What's my next step? In verses 2 to 11, which are a little bit challenging to read through, but it's really only presenting two ways of life. There are two ways that you and I are going to move forward in this life. One is in the flesh or in the spirit. 
we're going to live in one of those two places day in and day out. Now, prior to Christ coming into our life, we live in the flesh. As a matter of fact, we're enslaved to it. We don't have choice. Flesh is our master. We are driven by sin and self and can do no other. But when Christ comes into our life, that part of us dies. But we can still end up in the flesh. You see, while I do not have to answer to the flesh anymore, while that has died in me, you know what it is? It's learned behavior. It's my default mode. And so even though I don't have to answer to the flesh, in Christ I can go back to the flesh. And so Paul's here making the point, listen, this is not the life you don't. You don't want to live in the flesh. This life cannot please God. This is a life being built in hostility to God. Now, when we talk about the flesh, folks, we're talking about a mindset on self. Self is directing. Now, a lot of times, you know, we're talking about self and and choosing sin. Well, that's kind of obvious. That doesn't please God. That's a life in hostility to God. But folks, what Romans chapter 8 here is actually presenting is you can be living for God and be in hostility to Him. how, How does that happen? Folks, there's people in churches all over America today that are doing something for God without God. Say it again. They're doing something for God without God. They're doing it with themselves. And so driven by the flesh, I come in and say, you know what, I I can do this. I'm strong and I'm smart and I'm moral and I can make good decisions and I'm going to go in and I'm going to direct this house and I'm going to make it what it should be for God. You say, well, now if they're doing it for God, then why is that called, called hostility to God? Because folks, in that moment, actually what I'm doing is I'm setting myself above God. I'm telling God, you'll be comfortable in this room. And you'll be comfortable with the decorations that I decided you'll be comfortable with. You'll be happy with the environment that I set. We put ourselves back in control and we tell God what He's going to like. And God says, you can't please me in that mindset. In a mindset that is driven by self, you're building a life that cannot please God. Now, we don't have to stay there. It says, man, if I'm in Christ, I'm in the Spirit. I do not have to live life in the flesh. I can choose to live life in the Spirit. To be in the Spirit means to have a, a mindset, a focus on the Spirit. The Holy Spirit now is now the focus of my life. He is now what I'm depending upon. He's now what I'm looking to instead of self. I'm not setting the agenda. I'm not setting the standards. I'm not deciding the way it's going to be. But I'm constantly looking to the Holy Spirit. You remember who the Holy Spirit is, right? Third member of the Trinity absolutely equal to the Father and the Son in authority, in existence, in power, in wisdom, in beauty, worthy of your faith, worthy of your prayers, worthy of your devotion, worthy of your obedience. It is the Holy Spirit that hovered over pre-creation and breathed life into it. It is the Holy Spirit that hovered over your dead spiritual body and brought about regeneration, caused you to be born again. Say, wait a minute, born again? I thought Jesus did that. Jesus paid for you to be born again. Jesus provided for you to be born again. And then in that faith, the Holy Spirit comes in and causes that miracle to happen. It is the Holy Spirit that hovered over those prophets and over those apostles to breathe out this book that we call the Bible. It is the Holy Spirit that we cling to and depend upon. We walk in the Spirit. Do you realize there is no Christian life without walking in the Spirit? 
Right now, most of us, I would guess, should be scratching our head and say, then what, I've, what have I been doing? Because we don't think much about the Holy Spirit, do we? We don't converse much with the Holy Spirit. Are we depending upon Him? Are we pleading? Are we clinging to Him day in and day out? Are we looking for life in the Spirit? Because that's what Paul's calling us to. Listen, if you want to move forward in this new thing called the Christian life, if you want to follow, you've got to keep a focus on, you've got to keep life in the Spirit. How do we do that? I want to give you three simple, did you hear that? Simple ways to stay life in the Spirit. Number one, you need to read the Bible continually. If I'm going to set my mind on the Spirit, then folks, I've got to set my mind on what the Spirit's thinking about. This is the Spirit's words. This is the Spirit's thoughts. This is the the Spirit's heart. This is the Spirit's mind. If I'm going to set my mind on Him, then I've got to be in His Word. Think about it, folks. When you're watching TV, you've set your mind on the story, haven't you? Your mind is set on that story. It's set on those characters in that moment. And, And sometimes if it was a good show, your mind is set on that well beyond the show. When when you're having a conversation with somebody, your mind is set on that person. Your mind is set on the content of the conversation. And if it was a, a significant conversation, sometimes that goes with our mind well beyond the event. The same is true here. If I'm going to set my mind on the Spirit, I've got to see the Spirit. Hear Him speak. Hear Him think. See what His heart and mind is. And we've got to do this continually. Folks, this is where we're supposed to be. Read the Bible. Now, boy, that's, boy, that's an interesting message. We never hear that in church, right? I mean, yeah, we, we expect to come here today and periodically be done. You, you need to be reading your Bible. Folks, it's not a religious chore, and it's not a game. This is our opportunity. Paul's telling us, listen, you can't walk with Christ without being in the Spirit. You've got to walk in the Spirit How do I do that? i got to set my mind on them. How do I do that? With this book right here. And you know what? The more I'm in this book, the more this fills up my life and the more stuff that the Holy Spirit has then to mold my mind, to mold my heart, to direct my heart, to direct my mind. So we've got to be in this book continually. Second thing we need to do is we need to confess sin continually. You notice I use that word continually. That's going to be in the next point too. I'll just give it away right now. You know what I mean by continually? I mean that once a week's not enough. It's, it, it's, not, it's just not going to happen that you're going to walk in the Spirit if this moment right here is the moment that you read the Bible and that's it. It's just not going to work. It's not going to be enough if this is the moment right here where you come in and in a few moments you confess your sins and then you're done for the week. It, it's not going to work. Because see what happens, folks, is there's life. Remember, there's life in the flesh. And there's life in the Spirit. Let's assume right now that we're all walking in the Spirit. And we're walking along. We're having a good day. We're we're, we're conversing with the Spirit. We're walking in the Spirit. And then all of a sudden the temptation comes. We battle a little bit there and we choose sin. You know, the Holy Spirit will try to lead us away from sin. He'll convict us. He'll make us uncomfortable. He'll speak. He'll guide. He'll do a variety of different things to get that sin stopped. But if you choose to sin, you know what he's going to do? He's going to step back. If you want the mud, he is not going to mud wrestle with you. So the moment you choose sin, you have just moved back to the flesh. You're now walking in the flesh. Now, you know what? If you're like me, and I imagine, imagine a lot of you are, you know, I wake up in the morning and I have a time of prayer. And, and you know what, in that time of prayer, usually kind of in the upfront part of the prayer, I, I want to confess my sins. 
I want to tell God, hey, I'm sorry. And so I'll sit there in my prayer time. And it, man, this has been the habit of my life. You know, what did I do last night? What was, what was yesterday like? And I'm thinking about people and conversations and activities. And were there some things I should have done and didn't? And, you know, you go through all that and you confess that as sin, right? So now let's say I'm sitting here. It's, it, it's Thursday morning. It's 5.30 a.m. And I think, oh, man, I did sin yesterday at 10 a.m., At 10 a.m., I moved into the flesh. It is utterly irrelevant what sin you committed. It doesn't matter if in your mind it was a big sin or a little sin, if it was a a, a sin that had great impact or a sin that nobody knew anything about. doesn't matter what the sin is. The moment you sin, you entered the flesh. 10 o'clock, Wednesday morning. So am I going to wait till Thursday morning at 5.30 to get back in the Spirit? Because if I stay in the flesh, then the rest of that day, I am unable to please God. I might be a good person. I might look like a good person. I might even do some good things. But I'm walking in the flesh. So see, confessing sins once a week is not going to do it. Confessing sins once a day is not going to do it. When I become aware of sin, at that moment, I've got to confess it. At that moment, I've got to say, man, I chose to do wrong. I seized back control. I moved into the flesh. I'm sorry, Holy Spirit. And I, number three, I yield control back to the Holy Spirit continually. I've got to give him back the control. I've got to come back and let him come back and take control of my life. Every time I confess sin, I need to yield control back to the Holy Spirit. Folks, do you realize when Jesus was in the upper room with the disciples, this is the night before the crucifixion, He's about to leave them and he says, you know what? I'm going to send you guys a helper. I'm going to send somebody to help you to remind you what I've taught. To make clear and to explain what I've taught. To empower you to live in what I've taught. I'm going to send you a helper. Do you know who that helper is? It's the Holy Spirit. Folks, a day that you and I are not depending upon looking to and and, and in the Spirit is a day that we are ignoring and rejecting the help that God has sent for you and I to live the Christian life. The Holy Spirit is not a help. The Holy Spirit's not the best help of a list of helps. He is the help. He is the only help. You cannot live the Christian life. You cannot follow Christ without being in the Spirit. So if I'm going to be in the Spirit, man, I've got to go to where the Spirit is. And I've got to get His heart, His mind, His agenda, His ways, His thoughts. And then as this begins to conform in my mind and my heart, man, when I recognize sin, I need to confess that sin. I need to ask for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. And in the Spirit, I can now live a life that pleases God. Do you understand, folks, the challenge? God is not looking at how good you can be without Him. God is not looking at your strength, your wisdom, your moral power, how much you can clean up your home, how well you can fix your home on your own. You know why? Because he already knows what that ends in. Condemnation. He has provided you and I an opportunity to have a life that will please him. And that life is in the Spirit. And that life, Romans 8, 1-11 says, can please God. That life will produce life. It will produce peace. You know what peace is? It's all good. It's all good doesn't matter what's going on around me. It's all good. It's life in the Spirit that affords you and I that opportunity. 
Are you walking in the Holy Spirit today? Man, think about this, folks. We were a life condemned, a house to be bulldozed, a house that we don't want to be caught dead in. But a transformation has happened so that we can now not only live in this house and live eternally, but God himself, look at Romans 8, 9, that God himself would come and live inside me. Are you in the Spirit? Now, there is a key to being in the Spirit, There is a key. Look back at Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Two words, therefore no condemnation now exists for those what? In Christ. Are you in Christ today? When I was 17 years old, I looked like a Christian. I acted like a Christian. I talked like a Christian. And I believed like a Christian. And I was not in Christ. I was not saved. I was not born again. I was not on a path to heaven. You say, wait a minute, how can you look, act, talk, believe like a, like a Christian and not be in Christ? Because all that out there was just facts. And they were things that I was using to fix up my own house. They were things I was using to do my own renovation. And I came to a point of realizing I can't do that. And I turned from sin. And I turned from self. And I sought out a life in Christ. And in Christ you can be In the Spirit. So let me ask you today are you in Christ? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are in Christ? And if you say, Yes, I'm in Christ, then are you in the Spirit? Are you in a daily conversation, all day long, conversing with Him? Holy Spirit, how do I think about this? How do I process this? What's my next step? What do I do now? How am I to handle this? Are you in Christ? Are you in the Spirit? We want to move now to a time of responding to the Lord. That's all the movement that's going to happen in these next few moments is movement toward responding to the Lord. I say the only movement, if you're on the parking lot team, you can move. The parking lot team needs to get in place. They can move. But I tell you what, there shouldn't be another movement in this room. This is not a movement where I say, you know what, I've been in the glory and presence of God, so let me get out of here. Let me beat somebody to the car. Right now, you need to respond to the Lord. There are several ways that you can respond in this moment. Number one, you can respond by saying, you know what, I need to be in Christ. As I sit here today, I don't know for sure that I am. There's going to be pastors down here in just a moment. Would you take a step of faith and come forward and ask one of them? Man, I want to be in Christ. How does that happen? Let us pray with you, talk with you just for a moment about how it can happen. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, you know what, I'm in Christ, but I'm not in the body. I'm not in his church, kind of out here on the edges. Maybe you believe that God is leading you to be a part, a member here at Colonial Heights Baptist Church. And that's a decision that you want to make today as God is moving and God is speaking. Come forward and tell one of these pastors, I want to be a member here. I want to be in this place. We'll help you with that decision. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, you know what? I'm in Christ and I'm in his church. But can I possibly be in the Spirit if I'm not in His Word? Can I possibly be in the Spirit if I never think about the Spirit, never talk to the Spirit, never look to the Spirit? Man, I think I've been living a lot of this Christian life in my own power. And maybe this time for you, maybe you want to come forward. Maybe you don't want to talk to a pastor. You just want to kneel here at the altar and say, Hey, owner, I think I've been fighting you for the keys. I think I've been trying to do this renovation myself. And you just want to yield control back. And say, Holy Spirit, I want to start fresh here confessing sin. I want to start fresh here yielding control back to your life. 
Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what? I'm in Christ, I'm in the church, and I'm in the Spirit. Then what you need to be in right now is in worship. Because you're only in that place because of the goodness and the grace of God. Amen? So as we stand and as we sing, you respond to the Lord. All of us worshiping. Some of us coming forward to be in Christ, in His church, in the Spirit. As we sing, you come.